Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Included in this book are highlights and notes in the margin. This is the Notable Podcast, and these are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting with you. This is Season 7, Life Reframed, a podcast on Ecclesiastes. Well, Jonathan, welcome back to Ecclesiastes and Life Reframe. <laughs> what in the world happened last week? That was pretty abrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it sure was. That was epic. <laughs> I'm glad we're back. Um, tonight, tonight, I'll tell you a little story about what happened last week. And it was pretty epic. But tonight, we're going to take... The next sections and it's up on the screen there but we're going to co- cover what's called the carpe diem and really move into ecclesiastes 2 verses 24 to 26 there but I, in just a second you'll learn that we're going to be covering a lot more than that actually and just a reminder too that if you like this podcast if it's blessing you um consider sharing it on social media and remember to, to subscribe there on YouTube. We'd love to have you do that for us. And as far as last week, as far as last week, this is what happened. So, and it was it was pretty, it was about as epic as it can be. Because my when I'm doing when we're doing this YouTube podcast, I got all these wires and cords going into my computer, and it's a power drag on my on my MacBook see and so what happened is my frankly even though my macbook was plugged in uh the battery died last week (laughs) and everything everything shut down literally right when i said the word jesus so we i actually thought it was kind of ironic didn't you jonathan like we had just talked about death and how it's like this great leveler and then we were just moving into the part about Jesus. I said the word Jesus, and we went offline. Well, so, it's, it's very, it's very appropriate. It's really very appropriate. There's a there's a Christian song. I can't remember what the artist's name was, but there's a Christian song, and she's um. There's a song about grieving, and in the song, she has a line in there where she sings about how death interrupts your life and that's always kind of stuck with me just how death comes in and all of a sudden it's like chunk. And I just really enjoyed getting your text. I went home after that. <laughs> you texted me and I said, and you said something like, this is how we're going to die someday. <laughs> all of a sudden, Jesus done. <laughs> it's very rude. You know, it's like all of a sudden, like you're done. <laughs> that's it. And that's that what happened rocks. to my computer. Yeah, and it was very poetic and, and very ironic, the whole thing. But I did want to, we should finish that thought. We were just talking about how Solomon hated life. And let's see if we can, um, before we get into the next topic here, our next podcast, we were just saying this, the man who, so we said the bitter worldly man and the man of faith cling to eternal things are are not far apart and that's where that's where solomon was he hated life he was a bitter worldly man you might say 
uh, and and he's just one, you could say, so close to, to clinging by faith to eternal life. And of course, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, he said this in John chapter 12. He said, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So th that's another way of saying what, what, what we said last week is that once we get it, like once, once this world um, means so little to us that the only thing that matters to us are God's heavenly gifts, we've come into the kingdom fully to receive God's forgiveness, his joy, and, and to move into those, into those spiritual things. And yet there's a tension there. There's a tension there. And I think, Jonathan, you wanted to fill that in just a little bit more for us tonight, too. Yeah. And, you know, Timothy, you said, you know, we want to finish up that podcast from last week. But actually, this is really just an introduction to this podcast, because what has to happen. And this is where just we're just tracking here. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter one and two is like you said, we need to be emptied out of this world. And every time we come to the end of another escapade, whatever it may be, and, and we can remember from last time we had our nine categories of all the different things that we can kind of peddle around with and chase in this life. Um, when we come to the end of that, we realize this isn't it. Everything in all of the creation is actually not what the heart wants. It's actually not what is going to satisfy us. And, the, and yet we keep still striving for it. And that's the sin in us. And what we're realizing here and what, what Solomon's working in us is he's trying to break off our world, our world, our, our love of the world so that we can get back to Eden. We actually get back to Eden. The first step to re-entering Eden, you, you use the language of the kingdom, is to realize God. It's God. And so the way that God did it is he entered the creation. He entered the creation. He entered this muck and this mess. Here's Christmas coming around the corner, right? Who is this? There's this poetry that's, that strikes me from a song. Who is God that he would take our frame, the artisan inside the paint, or breathe the very air his breath sustains, the architect in, inside the plan? And so Jesus... Jesus is the one that, that we're seeking. Jesus is the one who satisfies us. Jesus is the one who gives us everything. This is us leading to the mountaintop. Now, once we have God, once we have God, then we can actually start to enjoy his gifts. <laughs> they are properly placed in our lives. There you go. There you go. And so you always put that intention that the world's not the most important thing. Spiritual things are. So we want to come to a, a, a spiritually healthy place of, quote, hating the world and, and loving the things of, of the gifts of God. But also we can enjoy, we can enjoy uh, the things that God gives. And, and that's, that's going to be the big point tonight. Do you want to give us just an overview of what's coming in the book real quick, Jonathan? And then we can talk about a little bit like what's coming in the podcast as well tonight. 
So we're doing carpe diem passages. That's what we're calling it. This is a Latin phrase. We'll, we'll announce, you know, talk about what, what that all means a little bit more and some of the literary background behind that. But here you have um, what really amounts to a climaxing of the book. This is a sort of mountaintop experience. And let, let me put it like this. It's, joy is the thread that runs through the entire tapestry of the book. Carpe diem is the thread that runs through the entire um, tapestry of the book. And it, it's kind of like a, a mountain range. You can see how the carpe diem passages kind of mount up and we're gonna actually take you through them here in just a moment. But just for now, realize that joy is meant to be the central experience of the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, sometimes people read it and, oh, it's just a pessimistic tract. It's this dour, bad mood, Ecclesiastes preaching guy, and he's just ripping the world away from you. And, and, if, and, if, and if you read the book that way, you missed it. You actually missed it. You, it, it actually is meant to take you to God and then joy as you live your life under him east of Eden. That's exactly right. I, I think you got that exactly right. So we're calling this episode Carpe Diem, and we're going to show you the five, what you could call them Carpe Diem passages. And this, this idea of Carpe Diem actually goes back to the great poet Horace, who said this, that in the moment of our talking, envious time has ebbed away seize the present so carpe diem is latin for you know seize the day seize the day uh, they translate it here seize the present T trust tomorrow in as little as you may so you don't know if you're going to get tomorrow and this is this is actually really old and pretty uh across the board uh across even religions kind of kind of wisdom so you can you can find this even in the, the Gilgamesh epic. So this goes back really really far, and some people, to say it kind of um, flippantly, some people accuse Solomon of pretty significant plagiarism here, <laughs> like uh, older works than Ecclesiastes said kind of sort of the same way. Now sa same thing. We're gonna. I'm gonna show you what makes uh, Solomon's version of of Carpe Diem not secular, but Christian. We'll we'll see that, but he definitely is beating kind of a worn path here. Horus, the Gilgamesh epic, it's around today. Yolo, um, Memento Mori, uh, it, it shows up in Dead Poets Society. Carpe Diem, John Keaton, played by Robin Williams, said Carpe Diem, seize the day, boys, make your lives extraordinary. So this is this is just kind of a thing that um, is out there. And I even saw like an Instagram dog these days. This is very modern, but sometimes the dog has a good day and it's a Carpe Diem day. But then sometimes you're supposed to learn when you're not supposed to seize the day and just kind of stay in bed and let life wash over you which is also a very modern way of thinking but it's just this is a very secular way of viewing it solomon's 
carpe diem is not that it's not that and i what i think what we have to do is kind of go through and look at the passages yeah so real quick i want to do th two two things first i want to show you that the overall structure of the book um, can be understood to lead up to these carpe diem passages so there was a pretty famous old testament scholar um, last name kyle um, I think that's the same Kyle that was with often with Dalich, for those of you who are, know the Old Testament scholars. At any rate, Kyle Dalich, so famous, right? Right, right. And any, at any rate, Kyle had a proposal for the book of Ecclesiastes that really centers um, around these Carpe Diem passages that we're about to go through together. Um, and just so you can look at this for yourselves at home, his proposal, I tweak it, and I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but um, his proposal is that um, chapters 1 to 226 are a unit, and Tim Timothy and I, you, we've been working with that rhetorical unit as well. And then what you have then is you have the climax of the section. This is actually how to live your life then um, is, is the Carpe Diem passages, and we'll look at it. Then you have the next unit, which is 3-1, and it goes till 5-20. And you have the very famous, we're going to go through this in the podcast too, um, God has time, he has seasons. And it's mysterious to us, though, and this can also be troubling to us. We have to work through that a little bit. And But then that mounts up to embracing joy and, and seizing the day as well And at the end of that section. And the next section would be starting in chapter 6 and going to 8, verse 15. And what you have there, it seems to be um, struggling with the idea of the deprivation of wealth and riches and, and possessions and how to, to, to get wealth in a noble way and then receive it joyfully in the end. And then finally, you have the last unit, Kyle argues, starts at 8, 16, and then it goes to... 1214 and there you're dealing with the inscrutability of human destinies you know it just it doesn't seem to make sense to us um and then you have this eternity that's waiting for us that's the end of the book um and the difficulty of old age and and, and then he says this is what you do about it you seize the day um you, you live while you can um and preferably while you're young you know the, the writer uh, the preacher is going to say but that does lead us into the Carpe Diem passages. Here's the first one. This is Ecclesiastes 2, verses 24 to 26. And this is what it says. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chase, chasing after the wind. So we're going to go through these relatively quick, quickly so we can spend most of our time on the most major carpe diem passage that shows up in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. So here's just a few quick comments. Um, one, you have um, a call to eat, drink, and labor. We do all of this under God. Um, next, um, there's true joy that only comes through God's joy to the sinner. So it's who pleases him. So God is the one giving this joy. Um, and then finally, God, God is just. 
He is just. And he's gonna, he actually gives the sinner the task of gathering up and storing up while to hand it over to the one who pleases God. <laughs> I was gonna give a couple comments about that. Um, as just 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 maybe this that um, being wealthy absolutely does not mean that you're happy. <laughs> we'll have to do a whole podcast on that one too. We're going to have a whole podcast on that. I, I want to be before we move on from this first Carpe Diem passage, though. I just want to point out this language right here. It's we're we're in the world for I think three of these Carpe Diem passages of what comparison language. So he's not making any big claims yet about what is the the better life. He's just kind of saying, I think this would be a good idea that you would live this way. He says it almost exactly this way several times. A person can do nothing better than. So he's, he's it's kind of like a shoulder shrug. It, this is probably the best that you can do. And that's going to become significant. Just kind of hold that thought and kind of watch that. And you'll see that Carpe Diem passages just kind of build in intensity as we go. But go yeah. I, I want to at least notice that. So you can have comfortable, rich, miserable people. <laughs> that's what he's saying. But when yeah. you are enjoying the wealth that God gives you, that's absolutely from God's hand. That brings us to the next one. This is Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13. It says, I know that there's nothing better for people then to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. So here we can notice that the spiritual state is expanded. So he says it's better for people uh, to be happy. And then he also expands this That's idea. New. Where, yeah. Yeah, That's new. Yeah. That's a new do idea. Good, do good yeah. while they live. Yeah. And he's still he's still using the same relatively non pushy language. This there's I haven't found a better way, guys. Kind of that yeah. kind of that style. Sorry to interrupt you. No, he he does. He moves from the third person in the first carpe diem to the first person. This is what I know. You know, he's not making any kind of absolute claim here or anything like that. Uh, then then the next. Uh, Carpe Diem is 322. This kind of wraps up that little section. He says, so I saw that there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot for who can bring them to see what will happen after them. So here you just get the little added kind of, I'll call it a goad because that's the language. Uh, a goad is um, a, a tool to get an animal to, to move forward. And so he has this goad, you might as well enjoy your life because you don't know what's going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. You might as well seize the day. You, you don't know what the future brings, so just live in the present kind of idea. And that question actually comes up not just in conjunction with Carpe Diem passages, but with other questions as well. Like when he addresses injustice, he's going to say, don't get too involved in trying to fix things because you don't know if it'll do any good or not anyway. So he, that's kind of his like, eh, um, hands up in the air kind of response. Yeah. As we move to the middle of the book, you do get a nice long one here. Um, this is Ecclesiastes 5, verses 18 to 20. And I'm going to read this, is, this one. 
This is number three, right? Number three. So, so this says, this is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. So here you get the added positive meditation on wealth and possessions. You know, God does sometimes give us the ability to have wealth and possessions. And when you actually have that stuff and you enjoy them, that is when the magic happens. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He says, this is this. I love this line. He, he, He has this is a very important line in the book. I think he says they seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. So this is a good balance to what we said last time, Timothy, like we talked about reflection, we talked about thinking about our purpose. The balance to that is you you actually do want to be engrossed in your own life. <laughs> At some point, yeah. There's, you want to be present right. to it, and, and you want to just take it in. And when you do that, you are actually receiving your own life from God's hand. You're not, you're not thinking about it too much. You're not ruminating on it because God's got you occupied with so many good things to do. <laughs> right. I mean, at, 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 at some point, if you think about it too much, you're just circling the drain in a certain sense, instead of enjoying God's <laughs> blessings. And, and he, he, he doesn't want to be a part of that for sure. You know, a lot of Christians do this. This is a side comment that kind of came to me just now. It's a side comment. But I think that this, as we grow up in Christ, we see this more and more. Like how many times have have you commented to somebody as as you get older, the world goes faster. And that's been true in my life. Like I'm 40 and and like, oh man, years just seem to fly by. and, and And it's great, actually. It's just, I'm engrossed and all the things God has thrown in on my plate. It's wonderful. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Take uh, us through number one, four. Yeah, take yeah we us got one short, short one here. So I commend, this is Ecclesiastes 8, verse 15. Can so I, I interrupt I, you one more time? I'm yeah. so sorry. Just noticing again, like he's still back in number three. It's appropriate for a person to eat. So he's just not, This he's not coming with any kind of force yet. And he really isn't in, in number four either but i'm sorry to interrupt you not at all i think it's a, i think it's a big point as we build up to n- number five it's kind of like when we were out in colorado timothy i remember when we were at our aunt mary's house and we were in loveland and you see the foothills of the rockies and you get up higher and higher and that's really what we're doing we're we're, we're climbing up to the, to the highest peak which is ecclesiastes chapter nine so it's good to try to track this. So Ecclesiastes 8.15, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. And so, you know, in some ways what we have here is both a reprisal and a prelude. It's a reprisal in the sense that we look back and he's, he, he, he commends here the enjoyment of life. This is, by the, by the way, the first time he, he says it quite this way. 
But he says, I want you to enjoy life. I, I do want you to, you know, put a smile on your face and let the bubbles rise in your heart. I want you to, I want you to enjoy it. And um, this is your life. Take it in to, to the fullest. And so he's just kind of reprising everything. But then I also think it's a bit of a prelude um, to the future of, of the mountain peak, really the apex of the Carpe Diem passages. Right. So before we move into Carpe Diem number five, just to summarize some things, he, he wants us to enjoy our food. He wants us to enjoy our, our work and our drink. And that's kind of, he's going to come at you just like that. And the thing that makes, separates Solomon's Carpe Diem from a secular Carpe Diem, like uh, the, the Gilgamesh epic, would be, look at all this God talk. If we could just go back and kind of look at this. God, the only way that we can actually enjoy our life in Solomon's view, if you just look at this, is going to be uh, God. And we can't say a whole lot about this in this podcast. We need a separate podcast for this. But actually, at the very heart, this is a huge point, at the very heart of, of living life well is the doctrine of justification. Yes. So the, knowing that my God is pleased with me, he is not angry with me. In Christ, he's taken all my sins away. And he, he sends blessing after blessing after blessing. So we're going to look at Solomon's doctrine of justification probably next week. That, that's coming. And, and that's what makes these Carpe Diem passages specifically Christian. This is, these, these are Christian statements. If, if you're just saying seize the day for your own sake or because you're going to die, there's nothing Christian about that. Just to, just to point that out. So are we ready? Are we ready, I'm ready. To, to rise for the biggie? To our the big one? Come on. <laughs> Go. You want to read it? I'll read it. Yeah. So this is this is Solomon's fifth Carpe Diem passage. This is the most important one. So this is Ecclesiastes 9, 7, 10. And by the way, if you're I'm hoping that you're following along in your Bibles, it's a notable podcast, and that you're kind of underlining these things or noting things in the margins, and you're able to just kind of pull these Carpe Diem passages out. So when you read this back someday, you'll be able to follow along. But here, this is Ecclesiastes 9, 7, and 10. It says, go eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. There it is again. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither weak working, nor planning, nor wisdom, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. So that's his fifth carpe diem. Did you want to take a swing at it first? You want me to? Oh, let me add it. <laughs> this passage is, is so powerful. First of all, uh, here's some things to notice. We have now, and, and 
Timothy was setting you up for this. <laughs> we, are, we have now moved past any kind of recommendation and or personal observation. And we have moved firmly into the world of imperatives. Yeah, so let, can I show this to you real quick? So he says, go. He says, eat. So this isn't optional anymore. Drink. It's no more like I can think of nothing better than this. He's saying, do this. Be clothed in white. We could keep going. Do it with all your might. So these are just, these are, this is imperative command uh, language now. Big deal. The next thing that I want to point out, and I think, man, just, I'd love to hear what our listeners, when they spend some time meditating on this, come up with too. But I, I just spent some time meditating on, on what Solomon is doing here. And one of the aha moments I had as I was meditating on it is I realized that Sal Solomon here is actually addressing every aspect of the of the human condition, every every part of, of what it means to be um, a child of God. And so think about it like this. He, he addresses the physical. That's the first thing. So he's got you eating. He's got you drinking. So he's, he's, he's treating you as a, as a human with a body. He addresses the spiritual. And, and so he says, I want you to put oil on your head, which is a symbol of joy. I want you to always be clothed in white. And so he's addressing your spiritual interior life with that. Um, he's also addressing your spirit, your relational life. As, so God created us for relationship. Um, I think this is very significant. One of the things that you did not see um, in, in prior Carpe Diem passages was any um, mention of any kind of uh, primary relationship. But here all of a sudden, he, he brings up a spouse. All of a sudden, you're dealing with a wife. Um, it, 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 it occurs to me that this is very reminiscent of what happens in Genesis. God introduces us to the creation. He, he introduces Adam to the creation. And he even has all, he sort of parades the animals in front of Adam and then Adam, but there was no suitable helper for him. There was no companion. And, and in a certain sense, Solomon has done the same thing. He has paraded us now through um, what life is like in East of Eden. He's shown us everything, uh, and he, but he hasn't yet shown us the joy of, of um, married love. And now all of a sudden, here, here she is. Um, the bride comes out popping on the picture. I think this is a major, major thing here. Um, and then the last thing is that um, he he gets into our purpose, our economic purpose, you might say, and he says, I do, I do want you to work with, with all your might. So whatever your hand finds to do. So you have those, you have those four categories, physical, spiritual, relational, and then sort of your economic or um, economic telus or, or goal. So there's, it is interesting, like it, when you compare the the different um, Carpadium passages here. This this wife phrase is new. It's new for the Carpadium passages. And I'll just point out one thing too. Wine is too. So he he has not talked about what drink that you're going to want to have, but here he's got a glass of wine in your hand. 
he, he did not have that before. And I'll also notice too that this, I kind of think of this as like waves that are growing in, in fit in force. And this is, this is the most forceful kind of wave. Like you might think of it like the tsunami of Ecclesiastes, but at the same time, there's tremendous spiritual gravity back down again, which uh, is notable for this passage in this sense. He, he says it in the passage twice, uh, how meaningless life is all the days of this meaningless life so there's a lot of gravity here back down again to root us he says it again all your meaningless days so this is this is pretty forceful like there's tons of tension in there and then he says you're gonna die uh so we get the, we got these imperatives this mountaintop experience where we're enjoying all of god's creation but at the same time he's not losing his other message that we don't want to get lost in this and we are going to die and you have to remember there's something more than this and i i i do want to just point this out too because this is super significant and maybe if it's not it's one of the top 5 verses in the whole book maybe it goes into the top two, but this little phrase for God has already approved what you do. That is just a giant. Wow. Phrase. And I, I think we're going to leave a lot of that for next time, but mm, that's huge that God in Christ has justified us that he is, he has put his stamp of approval on sinful people. And, and so when we, we, when we sit and do these things that he's called us to do, we don't have to worry about having an angry God coming down on us with his fist. That's, that's huge. You want to talk about that anymore, Jonathan? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. What I, I think it's really important to set this up theologically. We're going we're gonna to do applications in just a second, but I think it's really important to root this in our relationship with God that has given us in, in Jesus Christ. This, it, one way that we can put this is it is God's will. It is actually God's will that we um, steal back Eden, even east of Eden, because that's really what's going on. Solomon's letting us know uh, he's got death booking, bookending this, but God is still sending um, rays of light through the darkness. He's still sending blessings even into the brokenness to, to you to speak of it in a different ways, different ways. And what God wants us to do is grab onto it, receive it, receive it from his hands. By the way, this is, this is what makes one of the things that also makes Christian carpe diem different than secular carpe diem, because with secular carpe diem, basically what you're doing is you're just going out into your life. You're creating your own life. And you're trying to seize out of the world whatever it is that you want to seize out of the world. I'm going I'm to make a career. I'm going to I'm going to write a book. I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to do it. But what Solomon is saying is, just receive it. <laughs> Actually, just receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Gift. 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 Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. So important. Uh, and this is this basically what this is, is, is it's placing us back under God, um, receiving his gifts. In other words, what he's asking you to do is live as 
his child. Amen. In his, his world. Yeah. So like we said in the beginning of the podcast that we are, or we've been kind of saying and emphasizing we are east of Eden, but even east of Eden, God is good. Even east of Eden. And so he, it's almost like he's putting us back in the garden and we're anticipating it's anticipatory in, in some and eschatological pushing us to that future final uh, marriage feast of the lamb right with with jesus so um this is a beautiful book the carpadian passages and i'll just say this this is genius <laughs> this this is just it's the only way i can put it is like this is spiritual genius like he's not he's not saying that in order to be content and to be fulfilled you your life needs to change and in fact it's the very opposite it, what needs to change is your attitude towards the things that and the people that you already have and that that's going to be one of our of our big points we're going to we're going to work through each of those things kind of systematically in just a second but I'll just say this. Th- this struck me as I thought about the book. What Solomon is suggesting for Christian living, frankly, is possible. Anybody can do this. It's not impossible. You know, it's like I can enjoy my food. The, the, and he, he's taking something that is normal. Like it, Americans think. I'm finally going to be content when I'm retired or like when I'm on vacation or something like that. Sounds like, no, he's not having any of that. He wants us to actually move into the humdrum, into the mundane, into the ordinary, into, into our daily rigorous routines and say, this is where I'm going to find my enjoyment right there. It's very, very possible. One, one way to flip life upside down, Timothy, on that is to realize this ordinary stuff that we think is so ordinary. It's not ordinary. It's it's holy. It's it's gifts. You take a you take a you take a little sip of a wine and or you sniff that bouquet and you go, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You smile at somebody that you love across the room and you go, wow. Like I was, I, I had this moment and we're getting ahead a little bit, but what if, what if you came home and you walked into your spouse and, and you saw her standing there and you just went, wow, (laughs) this is, God is good. You know, that's it. Don't, don't get too far ahead. I know. (laughs) I know. So this is what we'd like to do. Everything, one of Solomon's main messages is everything needs to be kept in, in balance. We don't want to idolize someone or something, but we also don't want to reduce it to less than what less than a blessing from God. And so we want to kind of do the Goldilocks approach as we talk about this. Um isn't it Goldilocks and three bears like too hot, too cold, just right kind of thing. 
right. porridge and, and the chairs and the beds and stuff like that. So that's what we're going to do. Like we're going to show you in each of these um, three separate areas, what would be too big, too small and just right. So let do you want to start with food, Jonathan? Or do you want me to? <laughs> you can you, you why don't you go? You, you, you get us. You, you get us started. So we're going to do we're going to just talk about food. What would how do we do this? How do we enjoy our food? Like like Solomon says, it would be too big to live to eat that that would be a wrong approach to be like i just can't wait to get to my next meal it would be too big food would be too big for you if you eat only to comfort yourself like maybe you're anxious maybe you just want to forget about your life and so you're it's 10 o'clock at night and you eat a gallon of ice cream like this would that mean that food food isn't there to serve that purpose is it we could all we can also do food that is um too small it becomes too too small a part of our life and and this is i share this with my church there there's a beautiful poet and and novelist called wendell berry and i i have never sat down to read one of his books actually i want to because like ever all the other books that i read they're like wendell berry wendell berry wendell berry <laughs> so uh, this is a big commercial for Wendell Berry. I guess I need to sit down and read them as well. But one one person picked up on what he wrote and he he said this that quote our eating habits are have become so commercialized and industrialized that they are poor and paltry. They are poor and paltry. And and so this this we eat it, you know it's just kind of gross actually where we eat like a bird eats, and it's like I'm, I have this image in my head of this this worm, and you're just gulping it down, like you don't even taste it. Do you have that <laughs> image in your head, like the way that you just like gulp, oh. or like an <laughs> eagle or whatever, like the eagle with the with its young, and it's just like gulp, 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 and it's like vomiting, and it's kind of <laughs> or well, or like, I think what you're getting. We're, is, we treat our bodies so like we're trucks or something. Yeah, it's like we're trucks yeah. and you just put gas in there. And it's the, and Solomon's kind of saying, no, no. He, he wants us to be present when we eat. And well, you're right. Spiritually present. Like this is God, this is a gift from you. Um, this is a sumptuous feast, even if it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Thank you for this. And instead of be, you know, scrolling on your screen, or be worrying in your heart about the next thing that you have to do to have enough faith in God to say, you know what, God, this is a good moment you've given to me. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy my food. That would be just right. <laughs> you want to say more about that? Well, you, you said something in our conversations, cause we've been taking our churches through this together. And one of your comments to me is, um, you were just thinking about, wow, this really is an instruction in the Bible. This is so practical. It's an instruction in the Bible on how to eat. <laughs> and it absolutely is that. Yeah. It's, it's not just to eat your food. There is a command here to do it with gladness. Same, same thing with wine. It's not just drink your wine. It's do it with a joyful heart. So you, you, you take, you, you experience the food with your heart with with your being you bring your heart to your food this is 
this is probably gonna like mean that like you said we tv dinners are probably out um probably like i i, I i'm always surprised by what makes people laugh when i preach no sermons. more tv dinners <laughs> maybe not no more tv tray dinners <laughs> turn the tv off when you're eating but Sorry, I'm interrupting. You have this. I, I'm always surprised by what makes people laugh in my church. But I was just preaching about how I was talking about um, how a lady, you know, goes in front of me and on this road and takes a hard left into Taco Bell. And I said that lady probably wasn't enjoying her food, and people people got a kick out of that. But the, I think the point is 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 well taken there. We we are often in a rush and i think it probably does mean we need to to slow down and realize that god is god is giving us a gift here and um, i was thinking about this earlier today um i did some writing this morning and then my wife had packed me up this little lunch she's so sweet she packed me up this little lunch because <laughs> are you in grade <laughs> school still or like she she knows i won't eat otherwise so she makes she made me this little this little lunch for me. And it like was you're a kindergartner. You're <laughs> totally a kindergartner. Totally a kindergartner. <laughs> and and um, but it 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 was wonderful. It was really wonderful. Well, praise God for that. Yeah. Somebody asked on the chat. We got a question. We got our first question tonight Sweet. about gluttony. Yeah. So yeah, what about gluttony? Of course, you know that would that would be the too big. That, where food becomes too important. And that's where you're trying to, to fill a, a spiritual void with something physical and it just can't be done. Just can't be done. So yeah, gluttony would be, would be out. Um, we do want to enjoy the food in good proportion and give glory to God with our bodies as well. Let's move on to work. No relationships. We got to do relationships. You want to take it off with relationships. So he, he says, and this is commanded, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. I have quite a bit to say about that, but maybe you do too, Jonathan. Yeah, I can just get, I can just get the conversation started. Too big would be you idolize a certain relationship. Um, wife is mentioned here specifically. Um, if you are a woman, your husband, um, I think you could include primary, other primary relationships under this. If you're a single person, you could think about somebody who's, who's close to you in your life, a parent, a friend, something like that. Um, we, we don't want to idolize these relationships or if we're single thinking if, you know, if once we get married, then I'll really be content. Um, the too small side of this um, would be that you, you live your life and you really actually don't appreciate these people in your life. These, these people are just incredible gifts in your life. And but you're so busy. You got you got work to do, or or um, you get tired of them, or something like that. This is definitely a, a, a time to rediscover the people that God has placed in your life as gifts to repent of any um, resentment that is built up, or something like that. Just turn the corner on that, repent of it, um, and rediscover the the gifts that it is, it is. Love your wife. I mean, by the way, this is just a comment on Solomon. This is very different, right, than the Solomon of chapter two, um, where he, he's got a harem going on. But here he is clearly a very different man. He's that didn't work. And here he is. And he's 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 pushing monogamy here. 
Yeah, he is. Nothing less and, uh, than monogamy. And he's doing it in a kind of backward. Um, he's kind of doing it in a backward cutting way as well, because he links life with your wife and he's making a massive assumption and that you actually love your spouse. <laughs> like he makes that, he links the two together. He says, enjoy life with your, your wife or your spouse, whom you love. Whom so you it, love. Yeah. Like, so that that's a little bit of a jagged edge right there for some people. And I'll, I'll just say this single people, some single people have this idea that if I get married, everything's going to be great. Um, to the single people, I'll say this, there's a tremendous amount of married people that don't want to be married anymore. And they're thinking the exact opposite. If I just wasn't married anymore, things would be great. So like I've learned over the years that single people, a lot of times want to be married and married people don't want to be married. They want to be single. So the key to unlocking all of this is exactly what Solomon is saying. God has already approved of you. He's put you wherever you are in life. And to move into the relationships and the people around you, the people that you love, by the way, <laughs> uh, and, and enjoy them fully for, for everything that they are. This is a deep egg. I think you put your finger on something. I was out on a, a run um, this afternoon, and there was a there's an artist by the name of Elena. Um, she sings a pop song right now called "Here with Me," and she she says this in the song. She says it's funny how they say when you find someone, heart speeds up, time slows down, and so it there's this. It's she's putting her finger on um, the beauty of love and relationship there. Um, and then she says, she asked this question. It was, I, I thought it was just really poignant. She asked this question. Do you think there's anybody up high looking down, watching us, wishing we'd enjoy the ride? And I listened to that and I just thought, here's somebody who's actually aching um, for their, to have this transcendent experience. And this is the gift of God that Solomon says that we have. Like when you have somebody by your side that God has gifted you with, and you can look up to heaven and just say, wow, God, you really want me to take this in full throttle. You want me to enjoy this. Thank you, Father. Yeah. And if I could just make one comment about this is one aspect of marital life. But I do think it's important when it comes to sexual activity. L Lutherans are not Catholics. Uh, it, it is it is not prudish to want to enjoy that part of your marriage. It, in fact, it's a it's a wonderful gift of God, and we can give thanks for that. So I don't I don't think I need to say more about that. But other than to say. That's not the only thing that you should be enjoying with your wife, like conversations and meals and many other types of activities. Um, so all of life, really all of life, that's, that's what, he's, what he's moving into with that. Enough on relationships? Work. Yeah, work. Here we go. So what do, 
here's here's what he says and he commands it whatever you do with your this is beautiful by the way whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might we hear that again in the new testament and paul um do it all for the say, glory of god. i hope yeah. everybody's hearing the new testament allusions love your wife paul says the same thing in ephesians chapter five i mean this is all people are riffing on solomon all over the new testament certainly here right for sure so this is where um well i know you wanted to talk about how work can be too big for us like where it becomes an idol any of these things can take the place of god but what were you going to say about how work can we can idolize or become too big for us well interestingly enough if we would have been podcasting this in 2019 our messaging probably would have been a lot different before the pandemic work has gone through people's attitudes towards work have gone through a massive transformation. Although not everybody has taken the ride. Like to a lot of people today, clearly, uh, prob- it seems like there's some undervaluing of work going on where before you had organizations like WeWork, which work was all there was. I mean, work was all there was. And still, I mean, that it still spooks around today in the culture. I mean, the pandemic hasn't totally wiped that out. Uh, Apple TV has has this show called Ted Lasso, and one of my favorite characters on there um, is is the is the soccer player who comes out and he's so fun and kind of hyper and joyful. But he says um, he runs out on the field and he always goes, "Soccer is life." And then so here's a here's a guy who loves his work, but um, so, you know he goes too far right? Soccer is life. No, it's a part of life. It's a part, work is a part of life. It's not the whole deal, but it certainly is, 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 is a part of life. Um, so that would be making work too big. You're a workaholic, you find your identity in it, that kind of thing. Right. And to make it too small, to say it, to say it another way would be people use this phrase. I never like it. I never like it. They call it a work-life balance. In, in other words, work is not a part of life. So like when, when I go to work, I'm just doing it because I have to. And when I leave work, that's when life really begins. So you, you have work and you're trying to balance that with life. And that means work is too small for you. It, it's too meaningless for you. There's a scholar that said, um, Solomon moves work from the marketplace, so from trying to make money, and he puts it into the ethos of enjoyment. I mean, who does that? Like, this is this is where we want to find our joy. This is where we want to have our passion. Uh, Steve Jobs said that too. I was reading some articles. I think it was the 10th anniversary of his death, which is crazy to me. Like Steve Jobs has been not dead for 10 years. He said, "Your work is going to be a fill a large part of your life." And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. And he's not that far off from what Solomon says when he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. So um, this is, we don't want to make it too small. Like when we do go to work and, I don't know if you wanted to start with the just right part of this. Um, maybe I'll just dive in. 
I think the best way to talk about enjoying your work is to talk about engagement where you're fully engaged. So I don't think that you have to think about it in a giddy way that you're just, you're going to work and you just have this huge smile. Like I love what I do. And sorry, I don't know what voice that was, but um, <laughs> it, it, you know what I mean? And you're just bubbling and it's just coming off of you. But it, it is a thing where when you, when you are at work, you're not sitting there like, looking at the clock every five minutes and be like, man, I hate this place. I hate my job. I just want to get out of here. It, it's one of those things where you, where you look up at the clock and be like, I can't believe it's lunchtime already. Cause you just been so plugged in and then you, you enjoy your lunch. This would be the ideal day. That peanut butter and jelly sandwich or for you, Jonathan, the one that Melanie packed up for you nicely. And then you would plug back in again and you're like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe it's 6 p.m. My day's over. And you you get to do that. So you're you're totally engaged in what you're doing. That is a blessing from God, right? That is that is that would be just right. That would be just I, right. I'm loving the comments here. I love my job. Looking forward to, to Monday. Yeah, <laughs> looking like, forward to Monday. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's good. That's good. No more TJIF, right? like every yeah. day of your life is a gift from God. But, and I, I want to add to what you said. I, I think engagement is something, this flow, this state of flow, I think there's something to that. But I, I also think, you know, think of the satisfaction there is in a job well done. I, I, I go out and I mow my lawn and I look at my lawn and I go, I like that. I, I accomplished something. I, I love to sit down and write a sermon and I'm, I'm totally engaged. I'm, I'm, I'm loving God. I'm loving his word. I'm thinking about all of the people and, and pouring my heart into trying to bring all of that together into something that's, that's good for people. And, and then to be able to, to look back on that and say, wow, the Holy spirit moved and he helped me put something together. There's something deeply satisfying about that and that's pastoral work I, I you know my I'm sure that's true in other vocations too Timothy where you just you pour your heart into it you do what you can do and you just go wow that that is that was satisfying wow <laughs> yeah that's good so th this is this is Solomon's carpe diem we left alone that one big passage. God has already proved what you do because we want to come back to it. Just one last command. And I think this is going to be a good way to close out our, our study for tonight, our podcast. It's right here in verse 8. Always be clothed in white. Always anoint your head with oil. And, you know, I, th there's a lot I want to say about contentment and envy. One of the things, so these are all human emotions. And, but one of the things that Solomon's teaching us here, and we want to say this sensitively, is that at some point, we, we trust in God's goodness so fully that we're going to reject sadness. We are going to reject envy. And we're going to reject grumbling. And we're just going to say, God, you've been good. And we're going to wear white. We're going to put oil on our heads. 
which is a sign that we're not mourning. We're not mourning. We're not uncontent. We're not saying, I wish I had somebody else's wife or I wish I had somebody else's food or whatever. We're just, we're just receiving what God is giving us in that moment because he's good. Yeah. So at, at some, at some point, and I'm trying to be real careful with my language because the scriptures make it very clear that it's important for us to lament. It's important for us to grieve. We want to be sensitive to that. But at some point in life, we do have to realize with the preacher here that prolonged sadness and grief um, is inappropriate. And it's inappropriate because you're alive. We are alive. And, and we means, will live with him forever. Yeah. Exactly. So God wants us to live. God wants us to be alive. You're alive because he wants to, your life is a gift from him. You're saved. You're safe. You can eat. You can drink. You can anoint your head with oil. You can enjoy the primary relationships that you have in your life. You can, you can work and get in there. You can, you can be alive. And that's what he's telling you to do. If you think about it, he's, he's taking all of these human activities that all of us engage in. And he's every, every aspect of the human condition. And what he says is, I want you to bring your God filled, your faith filled, your joy filled life to heart, to your own life. That's carpe diem in Christianity. It's to rejoice as you live your life. It's to go all in on all of God's gifts. It's to be human under God. And I think we should leave it right there. We'll be back next week. So the, in November, I think we're going to go three weeks in a row. The week of Thanksgiving, we will not do the podcast. So, But we will be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good night. And this is, praise God, Jonathan, our technology didn't fail us for the first time. So... We, that was, I think that was the first one. <laughs> but have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Notable Podcast. You can check out our other seasons on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are enjoying this ministry and are so moved to support it, please visit us at www.thenotablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.